Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor David Hall. If you'd like to find out more about David or to keep up to date with his ministry, you can visit davidhall.com.au. We hope that you enjoy the message. I want to speak this morning on how to start a cult because there's just not enough of them and we need more of them and uh, because... because Church is just getting far too balanced for my liking. I, I feel I feel like we're just we're just walking the path of morality and righteousness far too effectively, and I feel like we've got to get back to a place where there's some crazy extremes that lead people up the garden path. And so this morning I thought, now I'm not if you think I'm serious, you might be visiting, going, why are you preaching on this? I don't actually want to start a cult. I want to, in a humorous kind of way, speak a little bit about biblical balance, and and I want to share my heart on some things, and and uh, and I'm going to start with my points first, and we're going to open up the word a little bit this morning. And it's number one. Ignore Bible context. I'll give you a scripture just to, 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 to give you an example on, on how you can start one. Matthew 27.5 says that then Judas threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and he went and hanged himself. Then Luke 10.37, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now I've just taken one scripture and I've taken another scripture. I've put them together and suddenly I've created a whole new doctrine that we can build a life, a great effective future. Do you know, there is so much of that to smaller extents, extents that they get preached where we take a little bit of this and we, we take a little bit of that and we put it together and so, suddenly we've created a doctrine that isn't actually rooted in Scripture. And, and you know, here's something you always should remember when somebody comes out with something bold and you think, I don't know about that. They, they might even have a Scripture to support it. But let me say this. If you want to build a doctrine, Scripture always has to support Scripture. There's always got to be something that you can, you can build the next thing on. I've heard so many different things. I'm sure, Pastor Keith, you've heard a whole lot more. I'm sure some of you that have been saved forever, you've heard everything that's come down the pipeline and to the church. Not all of it is biblically solid. And, and the truth is we, we lose our focus when the integrity of God's Word stops being paramount and we start to just pick and choose and start to believe a weird thing here or something new. There. There's actually nothing new under the sun. The Bible is timeless and, and the Bible really, some people don't know this, but the Bible is just one story. It's made up of a lot of little different stories. But the Bible, some people think it's about a flood and then a slingshot, and then, and then letting my people go, then Samson pulling down the Tower of Dagon, Elijah on Mount Carmel. You've got stories of Jonah and the whale, you've Adam and Eve, and, and you go through, and then you've got the story of Jesus. You've got the story of, of the book of Acts. You've got what's going to happen in Revelation. The story, it's actually one story. It's a story that man fell and needed a redeemer. And that redeemer's name is Jesus, who was born to die, that you and I might have life and he would rise again. And you know something, when the Bible becomes a message other than that, then suddenly we're getting into a place where we're getting off balance. And I believe the church, especially in this day, need to be dogmatic about the truth of what the Bible says. And and. I know some of you have been in church a long time and, and I know in this church it's solid. But how many know, I've heard people say that we don't hear, the, and, and not, not here, but just in church life in general, you don't hear the word preached like you used to. Well, you don't, you don't hear some of the fundamentals taught. Can I tell you, hell is as real today as it was when you first heard about it when you first got saved. But the problem is some people don't want to talk about that. We don't want to rock the boat. And, and I think we've got to be careful we don't build a cult around what the pew 
wants to hear versus needs to hear. And I'm not saying that we're in danger of going down that road. I don't think we're in danger of that at all. But the minute the gospel gets put aside and an an emphasis begins to rise higher than the truth of what the Bible's all about, we get to a space that we've got to just go, you know what, we just got to adjust our, our thinking back to the Word of God. And I believe as a church that we need to contend for the faith. And, you know, just look at the Bible back with simple eyes. Sometimes we try to outsmart ourselves and we get lost and we start putting emphasis on things that aren't important and under-emphasizing what is important. Can I tell you four things that are important? Number one, Jesus saves. Number two, Jesus heals. Number three, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And number four, Jesus is coming again. And, you know, something if you if you can get those four things in your spirit and Every time you look at the Word of God and believe those things, you might get it wrong every now and then. You might mess up. But you know something? That'll keep you on a pretty good track. The Word of God is so... I feel the anointing here, Pastor Keith. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Do you know why? Because this is a church that, that, that the Word of God has been preached with integrity. And so God's anointing is in this place. Behind every doctrine, there's a spirit. Behind every doctrine. So if it's a right doctrine, it's a right spirit. If it's a wrong doctrine... It's a wrong spirit. Are you happy with what I'm sharing this morning? I just feel like some of you need to learn how to start a cult today. And, uh, and it's just going to help you. So I, I, some of you. Anyway, I want to have a look at the word for real for a minute. Second Timothy, I want to just show you a passage here. Are you happy today? Does anyone love Jesus in the house? Anyone glad you're born again? Are you glad you're filled with the Holy Ghost? 2 Timothy 2, 15. This is one of the first scriptures I ever learned. It says this, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly, somebody say rightly, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing. That word rightly dividing, is they, they put two words, but there's not a meaning for both words. It's sort of one compounded word. It literally means to be upright, to cut straight, to hold a straight course, to teach truth directly and correctly. But, I, but, I, but I, I feel like sometimes we don't emphasize the importance of the very first word in that passage. And the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. Study. That word study, I looked up the original meaning of the word and I was stunned with what I found. It literally means to study. And... But the reality of this word study is that if you are to study, you by default, the correct... See, see, we will use words like study because just in our own time, but the literal wording of Scripture, the words aren't used in our, the way we've sort of... They've evolved over time in our English language. If you were studying in that time, you were a student. And if you're a student, you have a teacher. Now the reality is there are Christians that get into a lot of study, but their study is they're they're self-educated. Now I don't have a problem with us at all going to the Word, trying to grow and going to learn, but you know the truth is there are a lot of different biblical persuasions out there that, that 
common people. You've got some that will believe one thing that is so diametrically opposed to the other. And if we're, if our Bible study is the first Bible college of YouTube or, or Google or, or whatever, we can believe some stuff that isn't necessarily grounded in a framework of good theology and understanding the Word of God. And the reality is we've got to be careful that we don't, you know, I know some people that are so obsessed with, 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 with getting online and they listen to this person and they, they get dogmatic about one one train of thinking that suddenly they, they don't really study the full counsel of God. They study another man's opinion of the counsel of God and, and then get into bondage believing some of that stuff. And the reality is, I believe we've got to study the Word of God, but, but study it in a way that we're, that we're accountable, that we talk to other people about what we hear, where we're open to a different view, where we come and reason together, as the Bible says. And so where you can say something, I can say something, and iron will sharpen iron, and one joy will supply another rather than us getting because you can you, there's always end time Edna in every church who has every view of the end times you've got a weird wonder who, who's out there chasing every sign and every wonder and you've got you've got you've got faith Fred who's all faith and faith and faith and faith and confession and belief and you know the truth is all of those things are so vital to a, a well-rounded relationship with God. Because some people will say to you, oh, I don't need to read the book of Revelation. I don't need to know end times. Well, you, well, you do. Because the Bible, 27.8% of the Bible is end times. It's prophecy. It's what's to come. There's a rapture coming. There, any minute, the trump of God's going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise. We who are alive and remain will also be caught up together with it. It's going to be the greatest church service you've ever been in. It's going to be unbelievable. You're going to be driving down the road. I, I just pray that if I'm, I guess it's not a problem for me if, but if the pilots are saved on an aeroplane and you're not, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> the greatest move of God that the world is ever going to see is going to be after the rapture. A rapture is the ultimate. The rapture to me is the ultimate act of grace of God because yes, there'll be two billion, uh, let's just be generous, two billion Christians raptured. The world's going to go crazy. There'll be 900 million English Bibles. There's 9 billion Bibles. There are probably more than 900 million. Every sermon CD, every website, every, every book, every text on end times and the rapture will still exist. They're not going to be raptured. Every backslider that's walked away from God that's heard the message... God will raise up. They'll give their hearts to Jesus. You're going to have some of the greatest evangelists raised up after the rapture. I mean, it's going to be a move of God. God's a God of grace. What a second chance. I don't know of anyone that's not going to believe in Jesus. The Bible says there's going to be some. I don't know how. They're going to have to choose to reject the gospel message. But I'll tell you, somebody's coming back. We've got to believe that stuff. But at the end of the day, if all we're thinking about is end times, end times, end times, well, what about today? You know, some people are so, some people are so hell-bent on a good confession. A good confession. I preached in a church once and I said, I got, I, I'd been given an upgrade on an aeroplane or something silly like that. And I got there and I said, man, I've had some good luck today. And afterwards, I got in the side room and this pastor rebuked me. We do not believe in good luck. I was like, good on you. Right now I'm believing in bad luck, that's for sure. I went back to the same church about a year later and preached. I'm in the car. I said, Gee, I'm not feeling well. That is a bad confession. You are healed in Jesus' name. No, I'm not. I feel sick. 
I just want to pat it all and go to sleep. I don't want to get healed. I just want to go to bed and wake up all right. You know, sometimes, to me, they call that liberation. I call that legalism. I think we've got to just make sure we're staying in the center rather than getting off here or getting off there and getting too religious where our emphasis becomes more important than the gospel message. I want to keep going with this. Is that okay? You know, we got, we got church. See, I want to have a Holy Spirit church. And I want to talk about this for a minute. Um, maybe I'm being too honest, and I don't know. Pastor Keith, feel free to rebuke as you feel. There are churches in the neighborhood around here that they have the big revival speakers come in. Now, I've not been one to support them, not because I don't believe in revival, not because I don't believe in the flow of the Holy Ghost, but there is a fundamental doctrinal difference that a lot of the speakers that come through have that I cannot support. And I'll read it to you. In one of the statements of faith, and I'm not going to say who, it says we recognize that God, our statement of faith is we believe in the word of God being the ultimate authority. We believe in the Godhead. We believe in salvation by grace through faith. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking to us. We believe in divine healing. We believe in the second coming. We believe in heaven. We believe in hell. You go through that. We believe in the church. We believe in communion. We be- now, 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 I want to say this. If you read some of these, there's an extra one on there, and it says we believe in further revelation. We recognize that God is continually restoring truth and light to his church by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we place no limit on further revelation. However, and, and, and so it goes on, it must be validated by Scripture, which I agree with that part, but I'm not looking for further revelation. To me, when he gave us 592,000 words that we can read, that's all the revelation I need. And so, so let, me, let me say this, and, and I, I want to I clarify. There's things like manifestations that people have seen, such as you know, the, the, the outpouring of something like gold dust or, or different things like that. Do I believe that that is of God? To be honest with you, I'm not against any of those things, but I, I, I won't ever get to a point where I'm pursuing those things because... I don't find it in here. Now, if I'm in a meeting and the glory of God falls and you see something like that happen, praise God. But it's not, if God had meant that for us, for some important monument for us to go, this is so important, well, he would have put it in the word of God. And there's things that I enjoy about God. But when, the, when, when we're trying to present something as gospel truth and it's not in the word of God, then we're stepping into a dangerous place. Just because God told you, if it's not in here from Genesis to Revelation, I challenge your ability to hear versus his ability to give it to us in the first place. And sometimes I've seen prophecies get to a point where they're just not right. And I want to say to a church, I want us to be a church that's fully Pentecostal, fully, fully about end times, fully. And I picked end times as a thing. I'm passionate about end times. I just bought about 10 books on the topic. It's in me. I love it. I want us to preach on it more. So don't get me wrong. It's like any emphasis. If everything, because if you see everything as a screw, you'll always be a screwdriver. And different, different jobs need different tools and different things. And so we've got to get to a point where we just see everything in light of the full counsel of God. Can you say amen to that this morning? Do you believe that? I know this is a bit left field. It's just what I felt God give me. So I've got to preach it. I'm just the messenger. If you don't like what's in the envelope, just send it back. How many people, I know you would have all been in church two Sunday nights ago because you're so godly, but for, for those of you that might have been unwell, so you need to say how many intercede for us. You would have seen on Channel 7 this, uh, this whole thing of the snake handling church. Did anyone see that? It made me sick to my stomach. I don't know if anyone saw that. I mean, it gave me the heebie-jeebies. I don't even know what the heebie-jeebies are. But I had them. Might have some for lunch. But 
This whole, this whole thing, I'm telling you the truth. People, they showed video of a guy, they worship God, they pass a snake around. And if the snake bites you and you get poison, you don't get any remedy. And people literally are dying. They're not big churches. Church growth clearly is not high on their agenda. You know what their basis is? Mark 16, you shall take up snakes. Now, he's not saying take up snakes. He's just, that's a promise. It's a divine promise of divine protection from God. Paul on the Isle of Patmos, he took up a snake. He shook the thing off. He didn't. So if Paul, if you're meant to take up snakes, why didn't Paul, when that snake bit him, just keep holding it and dancing? He shook it off. So either the Apostle Paul's wrong or they're wrong. I'm going to stick with the Apostle Paul. And, and so we, you can see how just one scripture, there's nothing else in the Bible that supports that. In fact, there's something that contradicts that. It says, okay, that's not exactly what that's intended to mean. When you look at Mark 16, you, get, you see God promising divine power, divine authority, divine protection, divine healing. It's not saying go and pick up a snake. If I saw a snake, I dare him to do that with a tie pan. That church would shrink very quickly. Those American snakes, they're a bit more gracious. Our snakes, you just wouldn't do that. The snake church would be around for about two days and then we would never hear of it again. It's actually rather funny. But when you see that, you sort of see, that's not, that's not, that's not mainstream church. Yeah, that's, that, that makes, and then I see that on TV and they're crying, they're worshipping, they're holding a snake and I feel like saying, I just don't want the world to see that and think that's us. Because we're a lot of things, but we're not that. It's not a place where you come and hold. Why would you want to hold a serpent when you can lift your hands and touch Jesus? Let the oil of heaven, man. This, well, that's what inspired my message. Because I thought, man, we've got to get to a point where we actually draw a line and say, we're not going to be crazy. We're just going to be good, normal Pentecostals, if there is such a thing. We can get a bit weird every now and then. I saw some of you at the crusade a couple of weeks ago. You're... you're we saw people carried out. Pastor Wendy was fairly intoxicated on the presence of God. If you want to start a cult, number two, write this down, Gary, because I know you're asking about this. Number two, be obsessed with an emphasis, which I think I've already covered. But when you go to Bible school, you get trained to do one of two things to a text. You either exegete or you eisegete. How many know what, what I'm talking about when I talk about this? To exegete the text is to look at the text to study the text, to draw the meaning from the text, to look at the original language and to take that text and bring out what the intended purpose of that text is. To eisegete the text is the opposite. It's to look at the text and try and put your own ideas into it to make it say what you want it to say. You know, I've been preaching and I've, uh, and, and I've heard other preachers use a text and I thought, that is awesome. I want to preach that. I study it and I realize that's actually not what it means. However, you are permitted as a preacher to look at the second layer of revelation that you might get from something and say, look, when I read this, you know, God showed me this and, and it's just a thought and you can get a principle that may not be the intended original context for that message. For example, Pastor Keith did that this morning and I'm not being disrespectful, but the, the purpose of Jesus' miracle was, was purely to reveal who he was when he fed the 5,000. I've preached the, the reality is the miracles were far more about 
prophesying who Jesus was and the person getting the miracle. But within those stories, we can gain insight on how to approach Jesus and receive miracles for ourselves. There's a double, there's a double layer. So when Pastor Keith's talking about Jesus feeding the 5,000, the story's much more about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. But when you break that down, you can still see underneath that story, there are principles where if you come to God as a young person full of faith or any person full of faith, it's amazing when you put what's in your hand in his hand, it can multiply. I believe what he said a thousand percent. I've said it myself. And that may well be the offering message I use at Plimpton in about an hour. But it's been a busy week. But the reality of what I'm trying to tell you I'm having fun this morning. I hope this is all right. The reality of what I'm trying to tell you is that's okay. Because sometimes you get a preacher, they'll preach their heart out sharing something like that. And someone says, well, that's not the intended meaning. Well, thank you, Doctrine Police. We appreciate your, your brilliance. Thank you for, for, for letting us know what you think. But the problem is when the second layer is at odds with the original meaning of what God's trying to say. That's where it's dangerous. But there are times where you can draw something from a text because you've looked at that and God's breathed revelation on that and showed you something and you bring it out and say, look, this is what God gave me. And you know what? That's totally okay. And I find sometimes people get so legalistic on you, 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 off that. There's no practical application for God's word in our lo- everyday life. And then suddenly the gospel story is about the gospel, but there's no meaning for ourselves. That's why we have to just rightly divide. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? And, and not, not build a doctrine on something that's too shaky. There might be things that are, you, you look in and there's some great thoughts and some great insight. It might not be a doctrine, but it may be great for you to hear, maybe that's something for me. Maybe that's a word for me. Maybe that's something. But we've got to be careful not to deify something that shouldn't be deified, but then negate something that should be brought out. Some of you go, I don't know what's happening here right now. I just read the Bible. I just got up this morning and suddenly... <laughs> Be obsessed. I'm going to show you something quite funny here today. Can I show you something funny? First, firstly, well, let me say this. I don't know what to say. We have a lot of denominations, don't we? We do. Stuart in the corporate box. He double tied, so he gets that privilege. They, they, there's cheese and crackers out there. It's fantastic. <laughs> you, you, we got Baptists. We've got the Church of Christ. We've got the Lutherans. These are the ones I could remember off the top of my head. Methodists, Presbyterians, Salvation Armies, the Catholics. Some of you are getting mad at me already for calling them Christian. Let's just call them Christians. because. And we've got the Pentecostals and, and Charismatics. So, so, so I thought, well, that's a lot of denominations. But then I got a bit more into this. And Pastor Wendy, you'll be delighted to know that within Pentecostalism, We have this list of Pentecostal churches. The Alamo Christian Foundation, Apostolic Church in Australia, Apostolic Church of Christ Pentecostal, Apostolic Church of Pentecost, Apostolic Faith Faith Mission Church of God, Apostolic Faith Mission of South Africa, Assemblies of God Australian Christian Churches, Bethesda Movement, Born Again Movement, Brazil for Christ Pentecostal Church, Cathedral of Praise, Charismatic Orthodox, China Gospel Fellowship, Christ Gospel Church International. Christian Catholic Apostolic Church, Christian City Church, Christian Congregation in the United States, Christian Congregation of Brazil, Christian Outreach Center, CRC. Now, here we go. The Church of God started out very well. They're a good denomination. But evidently, evidently, some of the Church of God people got a bit uncomfortable because you've got the Church of God. The Church of God by faith. The Church of God for all nations. The Church of God Jerusalem Acres. The Church of God Divine Order. Church of God in Christ. Church of God of Prophecy. The Church of God of Union Assembly. The Church of God with signs following. The Church of God House of Prayer. The Church of the Little Children of Jesus Christ. That's a good one. I want to join that. The Church of the Lord. 
They're not the church of God, but the church of the Lord. Very different. The church of the word, the church of universal triumph, dominion of God. That's a good one. City harvest churches, city impact churches, the E-frame movement. That sounds thrilling. The evangelical missionary church of Besencon. Ron actually came out of that. We had to cast 16 devils out of it. Faith Fellowship International. Fang Cheng Fellowship. Pastor Wendy's the vice president of the Fang Cheng Fellowship. <laughs> Pastor Keith's the secretary. Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. Fire Baptized Holiness Church of God of the Americas. I think there could be snakes in that one. Followers of Christ. I don't know. They actually might be wonderful if you're listening by CD. Bless you. Holiness Baptist Association. That sounds Pentecostal. Independent Assemblies of God International. Just because the AOG weren't good enough, we thought we'd start an independent branch. They don't like it. Indian Pentecostal Church of God. Very powerful, I tell you. International Assembly of God Fellowship. Not the same as the Worldwide Assemblies of God. Different ones and different to the independents. International Church of the Four Square. Now, they're good. They're four square. Jesus saves, heals, baptizes, and the Holy Ghost coming again. Amy Semple first, and they're awesome. Jack Haven. International Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. International Pentecostal Church of Christ. International Pentecostal Holiness. The Jesus Family. That's a great church. You can go back there, wear your sandals, let your hair down, bust out your lava lamps, and you're going to have a great time. Jesus is Lord Church. Now, I don't know what this one is. Kimbanguism. That sounds very mainstream. King's Family of Churches, Latter Rain Movement, Message Churches, Mission of Full Gospel, Christian Open Door, Mount Sinai, Holy Church of America, Mountain of Fire and Miracles. Ooh, I think that sounds pretty good. The Mulheim Association of Free Churches and Evangelical Communities. New Creation Churches, New Life Churches, New Testament Christian Churches of America, Open Bible Standard Churches, Pentecostal Assemblies of God of America. That's not the Assemblies of God. Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America, Pillar of Fire International, Potter's House Christian Fellowship, Redeemed Church of God, Revival Centers International, The Fellowship, The Pentecostal Mission, The Revival Fellowship, the United African Apostolic Church of America. That doesn't make sense. United Gospel Tabernacles, United Holy Church of America, United Pentecostal Council of the Assemblies of God Incorporated. Word of faith, Zion Christian Church. Somewhere, somewhere, I think there was some disagreement. Because we were all friends at Azusa Street, and over time, somebody got a bit excited about that, but not so excited about that. So he left him, started that. That started, they couldn't get along. They were baptizing in Jesus only. They had to speak in tongues to be saved. They believed in hair and buns. She didn't like hair and buns at all. He didn't like his wife because her hair was in a bun. So she went with him. They went there. These guys were dancing. They started dancing in church. So that was wrong. So they went with that group. These were the cult. These were the crazy people. These people wanted flags. They didn't want flags. So they went there. And suddenly this guy's name at Claim It. This guy's AOG. He doesn't believe in naming and claiming anything. So he leaves them and says, you're hyper faith. And they say, well, you're religious. So they're fighting. I mean... How much fighting is there going to be before we just get back to the fact that he saves, he heals, he baptizes the Holy Ghost, and he's coming again? We've added so much to the gospel that the things stopped working, and we wonder why our churches have three people and a dog, and the dog's full of devils. It's a lot of information. I'm stressed out by this. I don't know what I am anymore. I'm saved and I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm born again. When I get to heaven, he's not going to say, what denomination were you? He's just going to say, are you washed in the blood of my son? I'm going to say, yes, I am. He's going to say, enter into my rest. I think we've picked it. We, we, we've, we've got to stop the we, they thing. 
Because we, if we and they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on a Roman cross to pay the sin for mankind, and He rose again that you and I might be saved, there isn't a we and they, they're we. And they might, they might emphasize a few things that we don't emphasize. You know, even within our denomination of the Assemblies of God, there's churches today that are going to be a bit different. They might say a few different things, but 99.9999999% of what we, I mean, we agree passionately. And so why, why do we draw the lines over that 1%? I don't want us to be a we, they church. I never really want to be the kind of church where people get up here and go, in some churches, they're this. We're the only church in the city that do that. When you start hearing that language, this is not a safe place to be. There's a lot of churches. You know, I wondered what someone said to me, if, if God wanted to bring revival to Adelaide, but it was in the church across the road from yours, how would you feel about that? And at first I thought pretty, pretty average. Because I want it in my church. But can I say something? I just want a revival to touch our city. And if there's one in another church, let's just jump in and back of and say, we're in this together. We'll come out and be crazy charismatics with them. Exactly. We're together together. Are you together together or are you just together? Together together. I don't even know what that means, but it sounded so I yelled amen and wrote it down. It changed my life. I need to finish. I've got three minutes. If you want to you start a cult, be unaccountable. Don't come under authority. Have no one that can say no to you. You know, as a pastor, I've got people that can say no to me. I've got a wife, a mother, a stepmother, a secretary, Pastor Keith, Pastor Wendy, most of you. I feel like everyone can say no to me. I'm, but as a pastor, you're just not allowed to say no to everyone else. Everyone's fine as long as they're saying no to the pastor. The minute the pastor says no to something, oh, he's not hearing from God. I've got to keep moving, but you, you get the point. Number four, if you want to start a cult, be isolated from the world. You say, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of it. I grew up, I think, in a fairly well-rounded house. I mean, actually, that's a ridiculous thing to say. You, I grew up in the most ridiculous house you've ever been raised in. But my parents weren't scared of the real world. You know, I've had people leave our church at Plimpton because I called the kids' ministry the kids' ministry rather than the children's ministry. And they said... You know, I'm talking about Josh was that person. He left. Now he's here. Ha, ah, we got you, didn't we? And they left the church because we called it the kids' ministry. And they said, I will not have our kids being called baby goats because they're sacrificed to the devil. I probably shouldn't have res- responded with, that's exactly what we're doing. How did you know? I feel like saying, I met your kids. That's already happened. I'm sorry, it had nothing to do with us. I just went through a list of things that I saw growing up that I just thought was so legalistic and it just made Christians look weird. You couldn't watch TV on Sunday. I remember one couple praying about whether they should do the bridal waltz because they didn't know if they agreed with dancing. Give me a break. Give me a break. Kids arguing with their parents and their parents arguing back in tongues. Because that's going to win them. You're home late. I'm, I'll get home when I want. Shanda. Well, they're never going to come to your church. That never happened in my house. Or did it? Probably did. Parents have refused to tell their kids about Santa. Santa's real. 
Don't ruin, don't, don't be one of those Christians that ruin everything. Give me a break. Christmas trees are not going to bring devils into your house. Not having a Christmas tree will bring the devil of Christmas Grinch into your house. You know, you hear what I'm trying to say? We just got to be normal. I mean, we had a lady at our church go to another pastor to get deliverance because of demons that she caught while going to Disneyland. It's called the spirit of fun. Christians, you need that. If you don't have it, get... My dad made my sister burn her collection of Cabbage Patch Kids because he saw an article on a current affair that they were dedicated to the devil. Then there was a rebuttal the following week and he had to buy all the Cabbage Patch Kids again. (laughs) You know, you're laughing because a lot of you probably remember that and you did it to your kids. I know, I can sense it. You're laughing, but you've got guilty looks on your face. (laughs) Simon, I believe that you did that. Remember one day it was cool in the 1990s to get tracks cut into the back of your hair, so I got zigzags. I had a woman come up to me and try and cast a devil out of me. I was 10. <laughs> you can see them on the aeroplane, hair and buns. The girls have to wear skirts to their ankles. No makeup. Can I say if the barn door needs painting, paint the barn door? <laughs> can I get an amen? That was a a very male-dominant amen right there. But Church, I'm preaching this because we've got to be a church that's balanced. We've got to be in the middle. We've got to be with it. I'm very aware, and I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your kids, but so far I've done an excellent job. I've changed four nappies, and the first one, it was basically like a half a can of Promite. It was not a... it It wasn't a good day. It wasn't a good day. Our relationship was rocky for a few moments after that. (laughs) But I will say, you know, we're not doing favours for the kingdom when we raise, when we try and...